Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. I'm going to preach for long because I know people have got um, Father's Day things that they need to get to. And, and, uh, but I do want to share something with you that I felt like God put in my heart for us. And uh, it's in First Kings. I've been looking at the story of Elijah. I love Elijah in the Bible. And uh, we preached on it. I preached on it a few weeks back. Um, about the double anointing and uh, and so I've sort of been sitting in these sort of first and second kings a bit and so I just um, fell on this story and and I sort of couldn't shake it. It's a different story to preach on a Father's Day. It's not necessarily a heavily themed Father's Day message but I feel like there's something here for us as a church um, and there is a part of this that applies to us on Father's Day. This is a story um, that's a powerful story of God's miraculous power and miraculous provision in someone's life and I want to I want to um, I just want to read from first Kings chapter 17 verse 8 it'll come up on the screen anyone brought their Bible with them you brought your Bible you've got a iPad or an iPhone or a stolen Gideon Bible this morning get that out if you don't look at the screen and we're going to read here we go 17 verse 8 then the word of the Lord came to him saying arise go to Zarephath which belongs to Sidon and dwell there See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. I've scribbled all over it. Now I can't hardly read what the next thing is. (laughs) So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her husband ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Elijah. Let's, uh, let's just pray real quick. Lord God, we thank you for your word. And I thank you that it, it says that it will do what it set out to do. And God, we just lift you up today in this place. I pray that you would be lifted up in our lives. And I pray for revelation. And, and we thank you for that. And God, we pray for the Golden State Warriors tonight. And we cover them with the blood of Jesus. And we pray for Steph Curry that you would anoint him. That everywhere he sets his foot, you will give it to him, God. At that three-point line, Lord God, give him three-pointers like never before. And we speak confusion into Cleveland's plans. Right now over LeBron, we speak confusion that LeBron will be scattered, running, not knowing where he is. And we thank you for victory. You go before us, you make a way where there seems to be no way. Make a way through defence where it seems to be no way. In Jesus' Name. And everyone believing for Golden State to take Game 7 said Amen. You guys yelled so much more during that 
than you do during my preaching, but that's okay. I'm not going to take it personally. But um, let's, let's get back to it. Who is going for Golden State? Wave at me if you're going for Golden State. Who's going for Cleveland? Danny, who are you going for? You Cle- you're going for Cleveland? Break my heart. I'm going for Golden State. Praying for them. He's going for LeBron. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna, I, I want to look at this story. I love this story. I love Elijah. There's so much in this story that we can learn and we can take away. So often we look at this story from the Elijah perspective. It's a story of powerful provision for Elijah. But I sort of want to jump back and forth a little bit. I want to look at it, one, from Elijah's perspective in a sense. But also I want to look at it from the widow's perspective. And I know it's different to preach on the story of a widow on Father's Day. But understand that because she's a widow, she doesn't have a husband in the home. Therefore, this woman is the head of her home. And how many know in this day and age, there are many women that are in that place in their own life and in their own family. And I want to encourage you on Father's Day that you can reach up to heaven and say, God, would you anoint me to lead my children? Would you anoint me to lead this home? And it is so important what you do as the head, as the covering over your home, as the priest of your home. And, and, and you know, as I shared, we have a son coming in November. And so I'm yet to step into fatherhood, but I want was privileged enough to grow up under a dad um, that knew what it was to speak the Word of God over us as a family, that knew what it was. I knew, I, I knew that as an example of someone to watch. Now, he wasn't perfect all the time, but he was someone that there were some non-negotiables in our home. There were non-negotiables. We were going to be in church every Sunday. We were a house that stood on the Word of God. We were a house that believed in the power of prayer. We were a house that believed in in strong character and integrity. And I want to encourage you, maybe you don't have a father around or maybe you're in a home where there isn't a dad there. Whoever it is, as the priest and the covering over that home, what you do matters. And what you don't do matters. And it makes a difference. And so I want to encourage you and those, those mothers that are perhaps here that you're the head of your home. This was this woman. She was the head. She was the covering of her home. And what happens is in the story is Elijah is in this place of need. He's left the, the place where the brook has dried up and God had been providing for him through the ravens. And God gives him instructions and says, I want you to go to this particular town and there's going to be a particular woman in this town. It says that I've chosen, the word says, I've chosen a widow woman. Look at this, a widow woman to provide for you. This is a crazy thing that God is saying right now because we understand how much lack this woman is living in. As we just read, the woman is living in so much lack and so much brokenness and so much poverty that she is collecting sticks to go home and make her last meal. And then she says, I'm going to make this meal and then I'm going to die. But God looks at it from a different perspective. God doesn't say to anything about when He mentions this woman to Elijah, He doesn't speak anything of the lack that she is living in. He doesn't speak anything of what she doesn't have. But what He speaks to, He speaks to what she is called to do. And God says, I found a widow woman who is going to provide for you. 
And there's something out of this that we can take. And we have to understand that the calling and the purpose that is upon our life is far beyond what we can do in the natural. God does not speak to where you are. He speaks to where you're going. And where you're going is a place He's got a calling on your, on your life that is a supernatural calling. You're called to walk in a supernatural calling and you cannot fulfil a supernatural calling with natural, just natural gifting and ability. There's a calling upon your life that is greater than who you are. There was a calling upon this woman, even though she was living in lack, even though she had need, even though she was on her last straw, even though she didn't have anything to, to pull from, she didn't have any more food. She was in this moment of desperation. God speaks and says, I'm gonna use this woman to bring about a miracle. God had a calling upon her that was greater than what she had in the natural. You've got to understand that what God has called you to do, you cannot do it on your own. You can't do it in your own strength. The Bible says, Paul says that we need to live worthy of the call, but it's making a decision that I understand I'm going to live in my life worthy of the call that He's called me to walk in, but I cannot fulfil the call in my own strength. There was a call on this woman's life. I'm so grateful for the call of God. I'm so grateful that the call of God doesn't make sense. If the call of God made sense upon my life, that would mean that I had everything in the natural to fulfil that call. But you got to thank the Lord that there's a calling upon your life that does not make sense. There's a calling on your life that when people look at you, they can't work out how's she going to do that? How's he going to do that? You're not going to do it in your own strength, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. There's a calling on your life where people may look and say, how is she going to raise those boys? There's not a husband. There's not a father. There's a calling on your life that is supernatural. And you might not be able to do it in the natural, but God is going to reach down from heaven and grab a hold of you and anoint you for a supernatural calling and a supernatural purpose. She's, she's called to step into the unknown. She's called to step into what she doesn't know. She's called to step out of what she does know and step into what she doesn't know. I've been praying as we come into come into being a dad. My gosh, I've got more books in my house than a public library. I've got different things I'm, I'm trying to research and trying to learn. And every time I speak to a dad, they seem to be no help because they say, listen, you're never ready and you're never going to know. I say, well, that's uplifting. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm praying. I'm, I'm reading these books. And I remember reading these books, looking at all of these different things. And and uh, and I'm praying. And, and God just began to speak to me and said, Ben, you it's, it's, you're called to do something you can't do in the natural. But I'm going to anoint you. And I'm going to guide you. Husbands, fathers, we're called to lead our homes, to cover our families. Wives, mothers, children. It's making a decision that we're going to draw strength from Him. How many know it's uncharted territory for some of us? I've been married two and a half years. I left my wedding ring at home today. Can you believe that? Um, I probably, some of you are like, oh, I sure he did. Shut up. Um, and uh, think what you want. I don't care. Um, and, uh, and so I, uh, but we've been married two and a half years. How many know husbands, when you first get married, man, there is some uncharted territory going on there. I've got a pregnant wife at the moment. I know all about uncharted territory. 
my gosh, you, you, sometimes you wake and, and anything could happen. You know what I mean? All those fathers, you know what I'm talking about? None of you are bold enough to raise your hand because your wife's sitting next to you. That's okay. I see that nod. I see that nod. But, but you, it's, it's uncharted territory. It depending, you can wake up, it could be a hard left or it might be a hard right. What you say, it, it, you, you ever get in those spots, uh, husbands, where you say something and you know by your wife's response that you've said something that's not good? But you're not 100% sure what you've actually said or when you said it. Because I've learned this, it's not necessarily the last thing you said. Sometimes she's not angry about what you just said today. She's angry about something that happened three days ago. I'm like, well, what's been happening the last three days? Let me tell you something. If I'm upset, you're going to know about it now. I'm not waiting, but sometimes you ladies, you just like to sit on that thing. You know what I mean? It's like a good stew. Let's just let it brew for a bit. It's like, it's like a fine wine. It just gets better over time. You know, some of you are like, you just let it build. But sometimes I would say, I said to my wife the other day, I said, because she, it's been the last, I don't know if you've seen, but like the last week, all of a sudden she just got the, the bump, you know, the baby bump going on. And she woke up, I said, baby, you look big. I may as well have shot myself. It's like sometimes I feel like marriage is like walking through a minefield. And you just don't know where you're going to step. And sometimes you touch something and that's what happened to me. But it's, it's uncharted territory. It's not knowing. And this was, this woman, it was, it was, it was, Beyond what she was called to walk in was beyond what she knew and beyond what she understood. And one of the reasons why I think so often we miss or we fall short of the call of God for our life. We, we miss being able to, we, we don't often see the miraculous unlocked in our life. Is because what we're trying to do is we're just trying to take steps that we can handle and steps that we can manage. That's not living by faith. That's living by sight. I know what to do here. I can go here. I've got enough for this. I can do this. I'm just going to do this. But God, I believe, is calling us and drawing us to, to step outside of what we know in the natural, to step outside of what we know how to do and say, God, I want to step from the natural into the supernatural and be available to you for your supernatural power to grab a hold of me and do something that's miraculous in my life. There was a call on this woman. No one else saw it, but God saw it. Everyone else knew her as a widow woman, knew her for her lack, knew her for what she didn't have, but God saw something different. How many are grateful that when God looks at you, He doesn't see what everyone else sees? He sees what He's put inside of you. He doesn't see the mistakes you've made. He sees what you're called to walk in. 
This is how God operates. God constantly throughout the Bible called people to do things that were outside what they knew how to do on their capabilities. Noah didn't know how to build an ark. Peter didn't know how to walk on water. David didn't know how to be a king. Esther didn't know how to be a queen. Gideon didn't know how to be a warrior. But every single one of them responded to the call of God, stepped outside what was natural and stepped into the supernatural. So he finds this woman. The Bible says in the story, it says you're going to find a woman and you're going to find her and she's going to be picking up sticks. She'll be picking up sticks. So I want you to see this from Elijah's perspective because Elijah's someone who's in a place of need. He needs water. He's been walking and the brook had dried up where he was and he's on a journey. So he needs he needs water. And so what he's doing is once he gets that direction from God, and God says, you're going to find a woman. She's going to be at the gate. She's going to be picking up sticks. So in Elijah's mind, he's focused on that woman and, and, and that woman that's going to be picking up sticks. He knows when he finds, when he gets to that place where there's the woman and the sticks, he knows provisions about to happen. He's walking through his journey and he's meeting different people. I want you to picture it. He's gone along the journey. But every time he sees someone, he's looking for that woman with the sticks. Because he knows that when I find the woman with the sticks, provision is about to take off in my life. The miraculous is about to happen because the Word says that when I find her, she will be the one that will provide. He's focused on the sticks. That's Elijah's perspective. But now I want you to understand the widow woman, she has another perspective on the sticks. The sticks to Elijah represent miraculous provision about to begin. The sticks to Elijah represent a turnaround, represent something powerful that was about to happen in his life. But the sticks to the widow woman represented something very different. The sticks represented her to her this place of complete Emptiness and brokenness. She said, I'm collecting these sticks because I'm going to take them home and make a fire and make food and then me and my son will eat it and we will die. The sticks to Elijah represented this moment of turnaround and provision. The sticks to the woman represented this moment of complete and utter despair. This moment where it's all just come crashing to an end. This is her moment. The sticks are the lowest she can possibly get as a widow woman. is collecting the last few sticks. I want to encourage you, church. Sometimes when we think that we're at our lowest point, sometimes when we think that there's not going to be any hope. Sometimes when we think, when we get to that place of complete brokenness, sometimes when we think that all hell has come upon us and we've got nothing left, you've got to understand that moment can so often in the Kingdom of God, the moment where you think it's all come crashing down, is going to be the moment that God is about to turn it around. You've got to understand that God has a plan and God has a purpose. Those sticks to her were brokenness, but the sticks to Elijah was it was about to be a turnaround moment that was about to slingshot him and her into a miraculous provision. Getting to that place of complete brokenness 
getting to that place because the Bible says she, she had nothing left. In fact, I love in the story what happens with Elijah is, is Elijah begins this, this, this conversation with her. He goes up to her as she's collecting the sticks and he goes up to her and, and, and he says, can you, go and, can you go and get me some water? Can you go and get me some water? And as she goes off to get water, he says to her, he throws something else in there. And he says, in fact, can you get me some food as well? It's almost like he's trying it. Like Elijah probably feels a bit awkward. Like this chick's about to just make her last meal. And he's been told by God to ask her for a meal. So rather than throw the whole meal on her at the start, he's just easing her into it. He said, listen, can I, uh, can I get some water? And while you're there, how about some food? And so what happens is, she goes back to him and she says this, and it's a powerful thing. She says to him, I don't have, she says, I don't have anything. All I have is a little bit of flour or a little bit of meal, a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. She's saying, I don't have anything. I don't have what you need. I don't have anything to provide for you. All I have is just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. See, the flower, I think for us, it represents in the time it was just the basic staple of a meal. And what it represents to us is coming to God. And this is what I think is so powerful. Is it's a powerful thing when we come to God and say, God, this is what I have in the natural. This is all that I have right now. I've just got the basics. But I want to tell you, if you have the basics with just a little bit of oil, that's all you need for God to do something supernatural. If you come to God as a father and as the covering of your home and you've made some mistakes and you haven't always done it right and you don't know what to do all of the time, but you wake in the morning before anyone else is up and you get before God and say, God, here I am. I've got the basics. I'm here in the natural. Would you touch it with just a little bit of oil? Would you pour out a little bit of anointing? Would you anoint me to raise this family? Would you anoint me to lead my home? We don't need fathers that know how to do it right all the time. What we need is fathers that know what it is to get before God and say, God, here I am in the natural. Would you touch it with just a little bit of oil? And would you anoint me to lead my home? I know what it was like to grow up and see a dad that wasn't always perfect, but knew what it was to just come to God. Come to God and just seek the face of God. So often we're wired as, as humans, we're wired as people to, to try and generate or try and, try and work at what we have to do and understand there's a diligence in that. There's a diligence in working hard, doing everything you can in the natural. But what God has called you to do, remember, it's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing. And you cannot see the supernatural happen in your life without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You think that raising children, you think, I mean, like I said, we step into the season come November. But I understand that in this day and age, you think raising children to serve the Lord is a natural thing. Do you think that's something that's just natural nowadays? Do you think it's natural that young people are just going to love the house of God? Do you think it's natural that they're just going to honour their parents and come under them? How many know it's not a natural thing you're trying to do? It's a supernatural thing. And you cannot see the supernatural happen unless you get before God and say, God, would you anoint me? Would you touch me with some of your Holy Spirit oil? It's the oil of the Holy Spirit. 
is God anointing us, getting, learning what it is to come before God. Because even though this woman, she didn't have much, she gave everything that she did have. It's a powerful thought. We look at this story and we think, oh, that's cool. She brings her, her flour and she has a little bit of oil. That's cool. Think about this woman. Think about what she has said. She's got nothing. I love how it, it, it shifts. It, it, it's because initially what was happening is she's initially when she's talking about what she has is what she's doing is she's focusing on the facts. So many times when people say, and when we talk faith, people say, well, you've got to be real. I'm into faith, but you've got to be real. What's the reality of your situation? We talk a lot about the facts. The enemy loves to present facts. He loves to present facts. What are the facts? The facts are that there, maybe there is disunity in your home. The facts are maybe there is brokenness. The facts are maybe there is lack. There's a big difference between fact and truth. CNN will give you facts. Fox News will give you facts. But the Bible, my Bible doesn't tell me that the facts will set me free. My Bible doesn't say you will know the facts and the facts will set me free. The Bible tells me that I will know the truth and the truth will set me free. We gotta make a decision. I'm not gonna live by fact. I'm not gonna live by what's in front of me. Faith is not going by what I see. Faith is understanding that I don't live by the facts of what's presented in front of me. I live by the truth of knowing what God's Word is. I wanna tell you something you can watch and especially in this day and age, it's such a crazy time in this world. The world, let me tell you, the world has every reason to be fearful. They do, that's the, that's the facts. You turn on the news for a moment and I'm not preaching against not watching the news. But what I'm saying is you need to make sure that you're getting a download more often from truth rather than a download from fact. Some of you, the reason why you cannot stand in faith and the reason why fear comes in and anxiety comes in is you are downloading more facts than you are more truth. You've got to make sure you're getting a download of the Word of God. And yes, watch the facts. I'm not talking about keeping your head in the sand. And people say, well, you've got to be real. You've got to understand. Yes, I understand and real, but I will filter the facts through the truth of the Word of God. And if it does not line up with the Word of God, I don't walk by faith. I walk by sight. I walk by faith and not by sight. And what it is, is the Bible says, your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I will walk where the truth guides me. And the truth of God will never guide you into fear, will never guide you into anxiety. You've got to make a decision that you're going to live by the truth of God's Word. You've got to be confident in the truth of God's Word. I know it's crazy times. I know there's crazy things happening, but I'm not going to change how I live. I'm not going to let the facts dictate to me how I live and how my family lives and how we operate. We stand on the Word of God. My God protects me. My God covers me. The blood of Jesus surrounds me. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care how crazy the days are. We may be surrounded by bad days, but I'm in the hands of a big God. And that's the big God that covers me and guides me and protects me. Truth. I know the facts, but what's the truth? I know the doctor said this, but what's the truth? 
The doctor says that you got a sickness. The truth of God's Word says that by His stripes I'm healed. The, 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 the bank account says there's lack. The truth of God says that He supplies, He provides all of my needs. The facts are you're going through opposition in your home. You're going through opposition in your family. The truth of God's Word says that no weapon that formed against you is going to prosper. That every single thing the enemy brings your way, God's going to turn it around and use that very thing to push you forward. Do you have the truth? It says you will know the truth. Know the truth. Knowing the truth is what sets us free. Do you know the truth of His Word? There's a difference between knowing it and being able to quote it. I've met dudes that can quote the Scripture till they're blue in the face. I've seen it, man. I talk about, I talk about dads. And talk about, I've seen my dad. Someone, a man of faith. My gosh. I've seen him stand in corridors of hospitals and look doctors in the face. I remember doctors looking back at him like he was crazy. Telling doctors, you run that test again. Doctors coming out saying he's going to be brain damaged. Your daughter won't live past the age of five. This is broken. That's broken. He look at them and says, run it again. They look at him like, this guy's crazy. This guy's serious. And then to see that little doctor come out all wimpy, weeper, saying, Mr. Prescott, I've got to apologise. It looks like we did the test wrong. It looks like he's going to be okay. Come on, I want to tell you, church, there's one thing. You can know how to quote the Word, but when you know the Word, it's in your heart and in your spirit and you look every demon in the face and every demonic attack over your family and say, you run that test again because as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. There's a covering over my house. There's a covering over my children. There's a covering over my marriage and every single attack of the enemy that's coming my way. I'm sending back seven times because I know the Word and I know the power of the Word of God. We got to get people that understand what it is to live by the truth of God's word. I know the facts, but what's the truth? Get the truth in front of you. Get the truth in front of you. We are so bombarded with facts. With facts all the time. We get in the radio, we turn, we get in the car, we turn on the radio. What do you facts? Facts, facts, and hear me, I'm not being weird and saying you cannot listen to it, but make sure you're downloading more truth than fact. Filter it through. Declare it. Speak it out. Speak it out when you don't feel like it. I'm praying it. I pray it every day over that little boy come November. I know, listen, I know we're going to go through challenges. I know God's getting, the enemy's going to try and bring some stuff. I don't mind the enemy bringing some stuff. Do you know what I mean? I'm not scared of the enemy. It's okay. If the enemy's not bringing some things against you, maybe you're both walking in the same direction. If you're going the, if you're going the one way and he's coming the other way, that's when I need to know, you know what? I'm going that way because I'm advancing the kingdom and he's going to come against me, but I'm going to keep walking in truth, keep declaring the truth of God's Word and walk in everything that God has for me and my family. Truth. Something powerful about the truth of God's Word. Stand on it. Stand on it. He's a God who heals. He's a God who heals. He's a God who restores. He restores brokenness. I know the family's going through some things. 
I know there's some disunity. I know today may be a difficult day. But my God restores. Some of you are trying to work it out. What we do is, this is what we try and do as Christians. We try and work out in our mind how God might try and fix it. And if we can work it out in our mind how He might try and fix it, then we, we build some faith. But that's not faith in God. That's faith in your understanding of God. When you can't work it out and you can't see. Remember, we serve a God that does His great work in the dark. You can't see what He's going to do and you can't possibly work it out. That's where God, but you choose to say, I'm standing on truth. That's where God will come and supernaturally do it. And you look back and say, I cannot for the life of me work out how He did that. I cannot for the life of me work out how God managed to pull that together and bring that person at this time and set this up and bring about this. But all I know is that God's hand is upon it. Making a decision to live by truth. Keyboard can come. I'm going to finish in a moment. There's so much more in this story, but I want to wrap it up. But she, she made this decision. I love that Elijah, Elijah says to her, go and do what you're going to do. Then he says, but first, I want you to do this for me. Understand as God speaking through Elijah, what he was saying was, you do what you're going to do. But before you do what you're going to do, you put God first. Because it changed. What she was going to do was she was going to prepare her last meal and die. And Elijah says to her, go and do what you were going to do. But put God first. And see how when she put God first, what she was going to do changed. Do you see? Because she was going to make a meal and die. It was all over. But when she put God first... What she had planned to do, when you put God first, you release God to move throughout everything else that comes after. And there was after the, what she thought or her plan was to make a meal and then there was going to be death. But when she put God first, the miraculous came. When you make a decision to put God first in every single area of your life, listen, be a tither. Be a tither. And hear my heart, church, I'm not, I'm not trying to say, you're not trying to milk people for money. Listen, if you think that's what it's about for us, you're missing it. It's the principle of the Word of God. I'm believing, I believe we're going to step into the greatest amount of blessing. If, because we're blessed. God calls it, we're, we're called to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. I want to be able to bless people. I want you as a church to be able to bless people. Man, I pray it. Wouldn't you love to you see someone who's in need? I'd love, wouldn't you love to just be able to write the check? Man, that stirs my heart. I think, man, God, give me that sort of blessing. I, I believe God's calling not just us to it as a church, but you. Come on, wouldn't you love to just be able to say, you know what? I got you. Jesus loves you. This is the heart of God. Go, I've got you covered. Come on, how many receive that and say, you know what, that's the type of blessing I want. I want that.
You won't get it if you don't put God first. Faithful with a little. What people do is they say, well, when I, when I get blessed, when I start making money, I'm going to put God first. No, you won't. If you don't do it in the little, you won't do it in the much. I remember, I remember when I had nothing. I remember when, I, you know, I was so crazy. I grew up in a blessed home. Dad, my dad was an attorney. My mum was a psychologist. And when I, you know, ran away from God and I remember having, I remember I had nothing. I didn't tell my parents because I knew that, you know, they would want to help me and stuff like that. But I just, I remember I'd taken my last, last coins that I had, $8. But then I remember once I got saved and I, and I, was, I was trying to sort of get out of debt and I'd made all of these silly mistakes. And, but I remember I understood the principle of giving. And I remember making a decision, even with $8, saying, God, I'm putting you first. You put God first, put God first in your life. Make church not something that you do on a Sunday, just when it works with your agenda. And hear me, I'm not saying, it's not all about Sundays. It's not just about you coming to church. It's about church being in you and you carry it Monday to Saturday. I believe that. But I do believe the principle, principle of being in church. Saying, you know what, we're going, we're, we're there. Whether it's Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, every day, I'm going to be in church on a Sunday. These are basic, simple things, but it's a way in which we can put God first in our life. And when you put Him first, that means that everything else in your life is covered. It's covered by the hand of God. It's covered by the protection of God. How many receive that today? Come on, let's stand to our feet right across this place. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed.